Almost This Week Sport Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxton, and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all things Salford in sport and beyond? Yeah, yeah, certainly I'm Rob. It should be an action-packed show again. We've got a lot to go out, haven't we, with uh, Rugby League World Cup and plenty of football action as well. So, yeah, looking forward to squeezing it all into the hour slot that we've got. Brilliant. So we'll start with football and we'll start with Manchester City. 2-1 victors at home to Fulham. Good result for Pep Guardiola's men. Yeah, it was a tough game though. A tough old game. And I mean, Fulham, they were one of those sides, aren't they, in the Premiership where you probably don't expect a lot from them. But they seem to punch above the weight. I think Brighton are a bit like that this season as well. They've got some good players and they're a difficult team to play against. And, and that was a, a bit tougher than what City would have liked, really, I think, at the weekend. And uh, probably fortunate to, to, to get the victory in the end. I mean, I know they had a goal this loud for VAR and the, the Fulham penalty was perhaps a bit iffy as well. But um, but no, they, they hung on in there, scored a fantastic goal in the first half and then... Uh, Haaland pops off the bench to, uh, to to get the result, but they were made to work for it. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, Haaland comes off the bench and scores a, 20, a 95th minute, last minute penalty to secure the points for Pep Guardiola's men. Uh, how big an influence is he on Manchester City at the moment? I think he's a massive influence, Rob. He's, um, you know, the, the presence of him and, and the belief that the other players have got in him you know, you know, and his manager as well. I mean, you expect things to happen when he comes on or when he plays, don't they? And uh, you know, I think he he physically lifted the side, you know, both mentally and physically. I should say when he when he came off the bench in the in the second half, uh, and, and you could see that. And then he got his chance from the from the penalty or the goal was disallowed from VAR, wasn't it? That one, which was quite unfortunate. I thought it was a very very close decision. But then the penalty, he made no mistake with that. There was there was no way that was going to go over the bar or the keeper was going to save it. He kept really cool and, and slotted that away. He's, a, he's an absolute class act, isn't he? And uh, it's frightening really to think how many goals he's going to get throughout this season. What we are now, we're in sort of November. There's still plenty of time to go, isn't there? And uh, you know, you're just hoping his his injury setbacks are behind him now because he seems to have shaken that injury off pretty quickly, really. Uh, so uh, so yeah, a, a frightening player really, but one that's going to have a massive, massive influence on the way that the uh, the season's going to go for Manchester City. Yeah, I think he finished 10th this year in the uh, European Ballon d'Or uh, competition, and obviously looking at what he's producing uh, this year at Manchester City, and, you know, all them goals, surely he'll be finishing near the top this season. You'd like to think so, Rob. I think he surprised me how, how good he's been since he's come to, to City. I mean, this is the, the Premiership, and we, we talk about it being the, the toughest league in the world. But he's settled, you know, more or less straight away. And I mean, how many hat tricks has he scored already? He scored a fair few, and you know, he's creating, uh, you know, putting chances away left, right, and centre. And he's a he's a big man as well. He's a big athlete. And uh, and he must be an absolute nightmare for defences to deal with. So I think well, you're going to see a sack full of goals from him this season. He could be the missing link that Manchester City have been looking for. You know, particularly in Europe, he could get them over the line in the European competition this season. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But uh, especially in the Premiership, City are looking looking pretty good at the moment. But uh, Arsenal, I mean, probably a side that we didn't really expect to be to be challenging up there. I know uh, uh, are really giving City a good run at the moment. Uh, I think they beat Chelsea at the weekend, so they've gone back back to the top and took the top spot off Manchester City but as you said I think Haaland will, uh, will be a, a big influence to the Blues this season along with De Bruyne and, and, and Phil Foden they've got plenty of goals in those three Yeah obviously Arsenal like you said doing fantastically well um, you know a away win at 
Chelsea this, this weekend, uh, Paul. And, and you know, we, we talk about how important uh, it is that you keep picking up wins. The two points clear of Manchester City at the moment, uh, both on the same game. So it's important that you go to teams like Chelsea and win because Chelsea are still in the hunt. They're seventh, uh, only five points adrift of fourth place. So it's important that Arsenal got the win there. Yeah, if you look at the top six at the moment, it's fairly close, isn't it? And uh, you know, like you mentioned, Chelsea, probably they're probably not out of the race yet at the moment, even though they're sort of down their sixth or seventh place. Uh, you know, a couple of wins and you're right back up there. But Arsenal, like City, I think have um, you know been pretty consistent this season, and that's a tough place to go, Stamford Bridge, and they went there and did the business, kept a clean sheet as well. So, you know, I think people have been saying, especially the pundits and people in the press, that you know Arsenal's. You know, a little run might come to an end and the bubble will burst. But at the moment, it's not done. They've, they've looked good. They've looked. They've kept the shape. They've looked good defensively. They've been scoring, you know, plenty of goals as well. So um, they could be a real challenge. I mean, I think the one for me has been Liverpool. How how erratic their form has been. Uh, you know, losing to, to Leeds last weekend and they've had a few blips in Europe and they've sort of dropped right down the, the league table now. So a side that were probably one of the favourites to, to to win the Premiership have have drifted away a little bit, but. Uh, well, I don't want to jump the gun and talk about Manchester United yet because that's that's another story, isn't it? But uh, but City at the moment are in are in fine fettle and are, are doing very well. Yeah, Liverpool two one winners away at Tottenham, but like you said, find themselves in eighth place on nineteen points, seven points adrift of fourth place. Tottenham Hotspur uh, with a game in hand though. But like I say Jurgen Klopp's men, you know, they were competing at the top with Man City. What what's gone wrong? I think with Liverpool, there's been a bit of inconsistency, Rob. You look at the weekend just gone, a win against Tottenham. That's a great win. You know, that that's the win of a of a championship side. But then losing at home to Leeds United and they've had a they've had a couple of other poor results, particularly at Anfield as well. You know, Anfield the place which is normally a real fortress where, where they, they knock teams off and, and they have lost games there, haven't they? And you know, lost and, and, and dropped points against teams that you know you wouldn't expect them to really. So it's all right playing well against the likes of City and Liverpool and sorry, City and Arsenal and, and Tottenham. But they just seem to lack that consistency when they're playing against sort of sides a little bit lower down the table. And if you want to be a championship winning side, you've got to be consistent. You've got to take points off everybody, haven't you? You can't just uh, just take it off the big boys. So I'm not too sure. I don't really know what's going on at Liverpool. It's going to be a big test for them as well. They've got quite a lot of players going to the World Cup. And how are they going to you know, carry on when they come back? So, um, so yeah, I wouldn't like to say they're out of the title race yet, but they've got an awful lot of work to do. Yeah, they talk about uh, Tottenham currently fourth. Obviously, lost to Liverpool at home on Sunday. But like you said, you need to be consistent. They are six points adrift uh, of Man City now. If a win against Liverpool came, they'd have been right in the mix. But like you said, it's about being consistent if you want to be top of the Premier League. Yeah, that, I think that's what sets Manchester City and, and Arsenal apart from the others this season. You know, uh, particularly you know for, for City being at, being our local side, I think it was. Um, I think they won about sixteen games on on the run at home now. So the, the, they're such a good quality side at home, and they're difficult to beat away from home as well. And you don't seem to give a lot away, City. They've, they've got a good defence as well, and you know Pep's really got the, the consistency in them. And having someone like Erling Haaland in the team, he, he's a real luxury as well, isn't he? He's, he's a class player, a real talisman, and. And, you know, you look at Tottenham and they've got a player there in Harry Kane, haven't they? He's just you know, a similar sort of player. He scores lots of goals and, you know, he, I think he's um, 
he's a shoo-in for the England team, isn't he? But they just lacked a bit of consistency this time as well. And a lot of the sides in around the top six have been like that this year. So uh, it's it's wide open at the moment. You know, City and Arsenal are running away with it. But the, the top four, I think, is wide open. You look at Newcastle United, they've been a real breath of fresh air this season, playing some fantastic football. Another good work at the weekend. Playing, you know, they really are the entertainers at the moment, aren't they, in the league? And I think they've got a great chance of a, of a top four Champions League finish. Yeah, like you said, Newcastle, 4-1 winners away at Southampton. Eddie Howe working his magic. Magic, Obviously, Newcastle with new owners have bags of money to spend, Paul. But how how much do you think is that down to the money and how much is it down to Eddie Howe? Well, to be honest with it, Eddie Howe's done great, hasn't it? He? he was at Bournemouth and, and did a good job down there. I, don't think he, I think he went to Burnley, didn't quite work out there for him. Um, and this was a, an appointment for him at Newcastle, which was being thrown into the lion's den, really. And, you know, a lot of people didn't expect him to, to do what he's done. But I think you've got to give him an awful lot of credit. He's gone there to Newcastle, probably a long way from, from where he, he's, he's sort of from, where he lives. You know, probably had to move his family up there. It's a big city to go to with expectations. You've got that money there as well. And Newcastle have been a sleeping giant of football for, for donkey's years, haven't they? Never really won anything. But I think you've got to give him credit. He's gone in there. He's turned things round. He's got the players playing for him. He's got them playing with uh, with a real belief and a real sort of swashbuckling style. You know, like the, the Kevin Keegan years, really. It's a bit like that, the way they're playing. And you've got to give him credit for that. And they're playing football with a smile on their face at Newcastle at the moment. And and, they, and they're building something, aren't they? They're, they're building a consistency and, and a momentum. And a momentum in sport is is great when it gets going for you. And I think their, their ride this season is going to be exciting to watch, you know, for, for, for neutrals like us who don't follow Newcastle. So uh, I think they've been a real good news story this season. Got a good chance of finishing that top four as well. Yeah, it's like a one. They're a one-team city, aren't they? And the whole city get behind them. It's like on top of the hill with all the the town below it. So it's kind of a cathedral up there, isn't it? A cathedral of football, which they all love to to, to get involved in. And we know how passionate they are, the, the Newcastle United fans. And I suppose his takeover, a lot of controversy about where the money comes from and all that. But as a footballing point of view. We need the Premier League to be as competitive as possible. So the likes of Man City, Arsenal, uh, Tottenham, uh, Newcastle, Manchester United all fighting for that top four spot. It's great. I think so, Rob. Like I said, I think Newcastle have been a sleeping giant for years. I mean, I think they won the was it the first cup in the late sixties. They won and you know various other cup competitions and that, but never really won anything for sort of 40, 50 years, have they, of any note. So um, they've come close a few times, haven't they, and had a few sort of false dawns there. And, you know, they always seem to get a massive crowd, massive passionate support in Newcastle. People are absolutely football crazy. So it is great to see them doing well, really, because, um, you know, it's like you said, the... There's not really a lot of other sport in the city. I know they've got rugby league and rugby union up there, but it's nothing compared to the football team, is it? So um, it means a lot to them, doesn't it? It's, it's part of their way of life up there. So good to see them doing well. And as you said, they've, they've had money before. They had money in you know previous ownerships and, and it didn't work out. But you know, it just seems like they're getting the, the recipe right this time. Yeah. And obviously Leeds, another team we found a bit of form, beating Liverpool last week. They beat Bournemouth this week at 4-3 at home. Um, Jesse March, team, going through the gears after being 3-1 down to come back to 4-3. You know, seems to be doing something special at Leeds. 
That's right. I was listening to that match on uh, on Radio Five at the weekend, and they looked dead and buried. That way. They scored early on Leeds. I think they, they scored in the, the first sixty seconds. They got a penalty, didn't they? And scored early doors. And they say sometimes in sport you can score a bit too early, and then they they seem to go. I think it was three one down then, and um, and we're being outplayed. But to come back in the second half and and snatch it four three, I think's uh, no great character. And like I said, they then he kicked himself that he had not got something from that game after such a great win at Anfield the week before. So they they built on that now and have started to pull away up the table. And uh, and yeah, another club that's another city that's uh, you know sport mad, isn't it? Leeds and uh, Leeds United are real sort of footballing institution, aren't they? So uh, so yeah, it's good to see them in the Premiership. And better better watch what I say because we've got Manchester United supporters listening. They're not <laughs> sort of keen on Leeds, are they? But no, another good win and, and some cracking games in the Premier League week and plenty of goals wasn't there and uh, some comebacks as well and uh, some uh, some real entertaining matches yeah it seems like Jesse March has found the, uh, the missing ingredients with, with Leeds obviously American Colts coming into the Premier League uh, is that an extra bit of pressure on him because obviously American uh, aren't you know the greatest of football they think uh, football is American football so him being involved in the best uh, division best league in the world is a definitely shot in the arm for uh, American soccer yeah, don't forget them playing us in the World Cup as well, won't they? Mm. So uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll be after a scout there. But no, he seems to be doing well at Leeds. And, and Leeds United another tough job. It's another big city. And I think if you go back over the last sort of 20 years or so and have a look at how many people have managed Leeds, it's not been quite the revolving door that some teams have been. But I bet there's been a fair few. I bet they've had a fair few managers in the last couple of decades and it's not worked out. And it's, it's a place where, you know, you don't seem to get a lot of time and um, he seems to have done a decent job so far, a solid job. And uh, I'm, su- I'm sure the support at Ellen Road, they, they just want to, I think they wanted to consolidate, didn't they? After being back promoted, they've been out of the, the Premiership for a number of years and they've got back in there now. And I think they've got their sights set on bigger things. So, um, so yeah, the, the run of form that they're at the moment has been good. Yeah, Crystal Palace as well. They're in 10th place. Uh, they uh, were victorious uh, this week, beat West Ham 2 1 away from home. Good result for Patrick Vieira's men. Yeah, Palace are another side. Like I think I mentioned Brighton before, and Palace Brighton, you know, two of the sides that you're probably not fancied. They're not the names that roll off people's songs, but the the, the teams that are uh, that are playing football the right way and and are scoring goals and deserve to be where they are in the table. I think uh, Palace have surprised a few this season with their sort of brand of football. But Patrick Vieira seems to be doing a good job there, and uh, you know the the Premiership table. You look at them all, and there's there's probably a few sides in the bottom half of the table that you would have thought would be in the top half and, and, and vice versa, if you like. So uh, it's been an entertaining season so far, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more twists and turns, but it's been um, it's been good to watch. I mean, you look at Everton, are really struggling out. They're Leicester City, I think, a few weeks ago, were uh, right down amongst the dead men, but they seem to have turned a corner as well. I mean, saw some of the highlights of them. James Madison, I thought, he's another one who's got to be a shoo-in for, uh, for England at, at the World Cup. I mean, his performances in midfield have been absolutely outstanding. So, so yeah, it's been... Uh, been a good season so far. The Crystal Palace, I think, sorry, was it Nottingham Forest? Their their match at the weekend, that was one that was full of controversy. I mean, penalty penalty shouts galore in that game. Obviously, with VAR, penalty shouts are a bit more controversial. Yeah. You think that's a good thing in obviously football in rugby league? We do have video referee uh, calls, but mostly it's for for tries, isn't it? So, do, do you think obviously having in football and being able to sort of pick up little decisions either side of the goal is that a good idea or not? I'm not so sure because looking at that Nottingham Forest game, I know there was a penalty, 
uh, for Brentford that was quite a soft penalty, if you like. And I think Forrest had three or four penalty shouts in the second half that where you look at the, the one that was given, you think, well, if you're given that one, you've got to give them other three, but they didn't. So I still think with VAR, the, you know, obviously with the goal technology and checking if a ball's gone in or offside, it can be quite clear cut, can't it? Really, you can measure lines out and things like that. But checking for penalties, a lot of the time, it's down to interpretation of a referee, interpretation of, of what sort of contact it was, whether it was heavy contact or light contact. And they still seem to uh, be quite controversy with those uh, those decisions. Yeah, I think it's one of them where, you know, they talk about VAR and, and tackles going in. And, and, you know, if tackles go in on the halfway line, referees sometimes let it, let them go. But then it, when it's in the area, the attacking player is looking for the contact and he'll make the most of that contact, won't he? And it's, it's difficult when you're with the, being the VAR, VAR referee to distinguish of how much was contact and how much was the player making the meal of the contacts. And that's a difficult decision, even when you're watching it back, slowing it down even works against uh, the the decision maker sometimes. It looks worse than it is. That's right. That's right. And I I think players, you know, they never will do. They're never going to be honest about it. Uh, I think it's just the way of life now. I mean, players seem to make the most of it. Uh, What I don't like to see is players, you know, gesturing at the referee to, to get cards out. I think there was one player at the weekend that was doing that and, I don't like that. I don't think that's very sportsmanlike at all. But I think that's the way the game has gone. Now, um, you know, players will do anything, won't they, to seemingly to, to, to get a penalty or to get another player sent off or booked or whatever. And it's uh, it's difficult, but I think football's been like that for a while now. Um, it's slowly but surely becoming, or could become, a non-contact sport in many ways. Um, it's difficult. It's a difficult one. But, no, I think... On the, on the plus side, I think at the weekend we've seen some fantastic matches again, haven't we, in the Premiership? Plenty of goals and uh, and, and, and a real uh, real good title race. But, yeah, the VAR, there's no doubt about that. I think it's it's a technology that's, that's new and we're probably still getting used to using it. The, the bit that I think is a bit negative is when a team does score and then obviously you've got the celebrations and then you, you get the VAR and then that goal that you were celebrating is, is taken away from you. So uh, it's, it's it's a new thing that's taking people a while to get used to. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think it takes the excitement, it takes the, the explosion of joy out of it because obviously you'll score and then you're looking, when before you're looking at linesmen, aren't you? And you're looking at referees to see how they're reacting. But now you're not looking at anything. You're looking above into the ether uh, that somebody somewhere uh, is making the decision to give you the goal. And then you celebrate again uh, 30 seconds later when they do decide it is a goal. So it is a bit difficult, but football is a big business now. Lots of money rides on decisions and you need to make sure every decision is correct. Previously, we'd, we'd be having bad decisions, but then we'd go to the pub and we'd, we'd thrash it out whether it was a good decision or a bad decision. But now, with all the money involved, Stoke football can do that anymore. They need to make sure every decision is right. And they still get them all wrong. <laughs> still. <laughs> yeah. So, I I, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, it is. And I, like I mentioned there, I don't think players help referees. You know, who'd be a referee? Always a real tough job, isn't it? You've got to... Everything's happening so fast. You, you know, we get the, the opportunity to see it in slow motion. That referee is there seeing it in live. He's got to make a decision then. He's got players sort of play acting and, and doing what they can. And then you've got... You know, a couple of seconds to have a look at VAI. You've got forty, fifty thousand people watching you while you're watching that. Who'd be a referee? I, I don't think I could do that job. 
Yeah, uh, talking about uh, refereeing decisions and and you know controversy. Um, Leicester v Everton. Leicester won two nil. Uh, good result for Brendan Rodgers' men. They've had a few t- tough weeks, uh, Brendan Rodgers. Uh, obviously, he's been the, on the wrong side of some tough decisions, but uh, winner Everton is a step forward for him. Yeah, it certainly is. As I mentioned, you know, James Madison, the midfielder, really impressed me. And they played some good football. Leicester scored you know, two two quality goals, really. And um, you were expecting more from Everton. I mean, I, I thought that game was going to be close. I think I went for a draw on my... Uh, prediction coupon for that one but uh, Everton seems to be in a bit of a rut at the moment don't they and they could be a side that ends up you know near that trap door and, and fighting for, for survival I know Frank Lampard's got his work cut out there at Everton but they were, you know a couple of weeks ago Leicester were down amongst the dead men weren't they so they seem to be on a bit of an upward trajectory at the moment and Brendan Rodgers has got the team playing a real good brand of football a real exciting brand of football and you wonder sometimes how he's turned it around so quick because where was this a few weeks ago? But they seem to be really riding a crest of a wave at the moment. Yeah, two Lemons with, with a fantastic goal. Lots of talk about him moving to a bigger club in the window or in the next uh, summer transfer window. Um, good player, but has he got enough to step to that next level? I'm not quite sure. He has scored a couple of absolute wonder goals this season, but you need to be a bit more on that, don't you? If you want to be a top, top Premier League player at top, top club. Yeah, but sometimes you just need that opportunity, Rob, don't you? In a, in a in sort of a so-called bigger club, take a chance on you. You're playing with better players and you're getting more opportunities. So, um, so we'll have to watch this space. I'm, I'm pretty sure Leicester won't want to see him go at the moment because, you know, scoring goals like he scored there, they want to try and hang on to him as long as he can. A lot of the time it depends whether another club comes in with like a, an amount of money that you can't really refuse. So, as you said before, it's a, it's a big business football now and... You know, you know, money does talk, doesn't it? And sometimes clubs can't sort of turn down, you know, amazing offers of money. Mm. And obviously, Leicester now in 14th. Is this the end of, uh, of their relegation woes, you think? Um, barring a real collapse, yeah, you would say that Leicester have got a chance now to push into that, that top half of the table. I mean, your three sides that are in the, the bottom three at the moment have got the work out, you know, to get out of that, especially Nottingham Forest, who are, who are bottom at the moment. They, they just looked... Um, I think they were a bit unlucky in, in that game they played in, but you know when you're down at the bottom, you don't seem to get that sort of luck, do you? Things seem to go against you and transpire against you. They've had some good wins this season, but have not been able to back it up at the, the, the moment. So um, I think they're really struggling. You know, I'd like to see them stay up, but uh, it's going to be a real fight for them. I don't know, Southampton are, are struggling, aren't they? We're, we're well beaten by Newcastle, as we mentioned before. So the three sides that are in the bottom three are, have got the work cut out to get out of it. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, talking about sides, uh, we have the work cut out Wolves. Uh, they are second bottom at the moment. They were defeated at home 3 2 to Brighton. Brighton, you know, what a surprise package they are at the moment. Currently sitting sixth in the Premier League, uh, doing very well. Yeah, and it was it was a nice story the other week when they, they played against Chelsea. You know, their manager had, had left to go to Chelsea after doing such a good job there. and It didn't seem to affect them at all. They absolutely lamped Chelsea, didn't they? So uh, that was nice to see, you know, a team like Brighton doing well. Um, and it is something. They're a, good, they're a good side. They play a cracking brand of football, really attacking. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I enjoyed that game against Wolves. Saw the highlights. I, I felt a bit sorry for Wolves who... You know, player sent off there and, you know, backs against the wall a, a, a little bit. And, you know, the penalty was a, a shade controversial again, wasn't it? There was, a, there was an appeal there with that one. And um, 
but yeah, Brighton scored some good goals, didn't they? And took the chances when they got them. So, um, so yeah, I felt Wolves deserved something out of that game, but uh, but no pit by uh, another good Brighton performance. Yeah, new coach Roberto uh, Deserbe uh, has come in. Obviously, Graham Potter going to Chelsea. A lot of talk uh, about Brighton previously not being able to score enough goals, but. Seems like they found a way now, Paul. They're scoring goals for fun, so that's probably why where they are, where they are. Yeah, that's right. And as I said, playing a, playing a cracking brand of football as well. So, um, so yeah, they seem to have the goals in, and they're, they're playing an entertaining brand, and they deserve to be where they are on the table at the moment. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if they could get a European spot, I mean, wow, that'd be something, wouldn't it? I mean, it's not that long ago they were in the sort of the old fourth division. Third division playing against uh, you know sort of like a Rochdale and teams like that, so so they've done tremendously well over the last couple of decades and to get up there into the Premiership and and now performing really well. Yeah, so let's talk about Man United, the final Premier League game on the Saturday Sunday period, uh, lost to Aston Villa three one away from home, uh, big defeat for Manchester United. Obviously, like I said before, if you want to be a contender, you've got to be consistent, uh, and a three one away defeat to that Aston Villa isn't the way to go. No, not really. And it, no, it's a real step backwards uh, for Ten Hag and his side. That you know, things were starting to look up a bit for for United, weren't they? I mean, after the Derby defeat, they seemed to have got back on a bit of an even keel, and, and results were starting to come in, and, and and just starting to pull the wins out of the bag. A few wins in Europe as well, and you know, he started to find a bit of consistency. And then away from home against Aston Villa side, we're not pulling up any trees particular. You know, they sat there, managed recently, didn't they? And uh, been struggling for form. And I thought United were well beaten in that match, to be honest with you. Um, I thought they were totally second best. I thought Villa did a job on them and and you'd be disappointed. It's like sort of two steps forward and three steps back for Manchester United. It's, it's a disappointing defeat. Mm. And also, obviously, first Villa home win against Manchester United since 1995. So they've been waiting a while down there at Villa Park for this win. Uh, but obviously, first game for new uh, Villa manager Emery. So he's uh, he'll be happy that Villa have found uh, another gear and he'll be looking at to manipulate that and, and take them forward. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're another side, aren't they? With, with, with some good players down there, and uh, oh, down there, it's in the Midlands, isn't it? But they're, they're a decent team. I think Stephen Gerrard did a, did a decent job there and turned them turned them round. You know, kept them uh, in the Premiership and consolidated well there. And I was surprised when uh, he was relieved of his duties, to be honest with you. But no, I think they've got a, the makings of a good side there. And they proved that against Manchester United in the weekend. It was no fluke that when they they outplayed the, the Red Devils and uh, you know got a good win. Yeah, United in fifth, uh, four points, uh, sorry, three points off Spurs in fourth. So they are still in the mix, but you can't afford to keep dropping points. No, you can't. You can't. There's only so many times you can do that. And, and um, you really need to start turning the corner now. And, you know, otherwise you are going to end up dropping out of that and, and dropping out of that top four. We mentioned before Newcastle United are on a real run at the moment. I mean, if United played Newcastle tomorrow, I know I'll put my money on. You know the, the way they're playing, so um, so that's another sort of European place that's up for grabs. So they they need to start getting results, otherwise that sort of top four is going to drift away from them fast. Yeah. Uh, games uh, this week, Man City are at home to Chelsea in the League Cup uh, midweek, and United are at home to Aston Villa. Uh, both sort of big games, but do you think both coaches will look at playing a second string team? 
Um, I'm not so sure, really. I mean, for Manchester City, probably. You know, they've got massive games coming up in, in Europe and in the Premiership. For Manchester United, I suppose it's a, a trophy that they could go and, and, and get something from. But, you know, United are, are after big things as well. They've got big league games coming up, fighting a way to, to get back in that, that sort of Champions League. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose it is. I think the uh, the, the League Cup is seem to be one where, where players get rotating. I'd be very surprised if, if United and City both put out their strongest sides in, in, in those matches, definitely. It will be very interesting uh, to see what happens, obviously, with the Premier League and Champions League for Man City, Europa League for Manchester United. Uh, the draw, I think, for the Europa League next stage happens next week, where um, European uh, Champions League teams drop down into that into that. Europa League drawby. Hopefully, Man United won't come across anyone uh, so big uh, that, that there'll be problems with. Uh, well, you can't get much bigger than Manchester United, Rob. I no, don't think they should fear anybody, should they? But mm. I, know, I get what you, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. There's, there's probably some tough teams that are going to end up in that um, in that draw. So uh, let's hope the draws uh, draws kind to them, really. But uh, but yeah, it's another competition for United. I mean. It's it's difficult fighting on all, all four fronts sometimes, isn't it? And I know United want to be back in that that Champions League, but uh, am I right in saying if you was to win the Europa League, you get a place in the Champions League? Yeah. So there you go. So it's got to be a trophy that they've got to take a keen interest in, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and then the Premier League game, the last one before the World Cup uh, starts in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Man City are at home to Brentford. And Manchester United are away at Fulham. Um, two teams there that will test both of our teams. Obviously, Man City being at home, you'd think that Brentford will will try and sort of hit him on the break. But obviously, we've seen this week with with Haaland, uh, they just need a chance and they and they'll take the points. Yeah, I think with, with Brentford, they uh, they seem to be conceding goals for fun, don't they? Uh, especially on the road. And they conceded five against Arsenal. I think they conceded four the week before that. They conceded four at Leeds United. So they seem to be leaking goals left, right, and centre. So if you was a betting man, you'd imagine to sit to score a sack full against them, especially if Erling Ireland's playing. So, uh, but you can't take teams lightly. You know, look at Fulham at the weekend came to 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 the Etihad and, and almost uh, you know come out of that game with something so um, so I don't think you can take anybody lightly in the Premiership you've got to turn up every week haven't you and, uh, and, and, and turn it on yeah let's talk about our other club in the area Salford City FC they mm. take up action this weekend they face Peterborough away from home and drill 0-0 good result for Neil Woods uh, men they want to come back to Salford and have another go yeah, I think it was a tough draw that for for Salford against Peterborough. You know, they're they're a, sort of a a seasoned side down there, down in the the lower leagues of, uh, of of the of the country. So tough away from home in the FA Cup. So they'll fancy the chances getting them back uh, back in back in Salford, and yeah, hopefully be able to get the the, the name in that that second round. I think the, the first round was really exciting, wasn't it? I watched the draw for that and. You know, like Sir Alf Church, who, who did really well, and Needham Market as well, another sort of low side. I mean, some of these teams are sort of 80, 70, 80 places below 
sort of Salford, aren't they? They're, they're in the real low, low sort of side of the the football pyramid. So I think the first round captured the imagination. There were some great ties in that, and obviously you get in that second round, and you know if you can get a result in that, then you're in the hat for the big one in the third round, which is which is really exciting. So uh, so yeah, I'm sure Salford will, will, will be ready for that that, that replay in, in the, it'll be like Wednesday week, won't it? So I'm sure they'll be ready for that. Yeah, Salford currently 8th in the league. Level on points with Carlisle, who was 7th, and Bradford, who was 6th, and 3 points off Swindon, who were in 5th, Paul. So, they are in the mix for the playoff spot. So, with all that in mind, do you think they'll be looking at a, a cut run because they need the, to keep the, the powder dry for the league? Or is a cut run just what this club needs? I think you've always got room for a cut run, Rob. I think... You know, your, your FA Cup is, is, you know, your league's your bread and butter. You want to get promoted, don't you, or, or challenge for a playoff spot. But I think without the FA Cup, there's, there's that magic wouldn't be there, would it? You'd be missing. So, you know, you always want to test yourself in that. You know, you get in that third round, you draw Manchester United. You know, how, how good's that for a, for a club like Salford? So uh, that dream's always going to be there. So I don't think they'll take their eye off the ball with the FA Cup. But you're right, it's difficult. I mean... You're a team like Salford, you're playing 46 league games, as we said before, in the football league. So it's, it's a lot of games, isn't it? Playing Tuesday, Saturday every week. And then you've got FA Cup as well. And if you've got a replay as well, that's another game to squeeze in. So it's difficult. It's difficult for the managers and, um, you know, the, the coaching staff. They'll probably find it difficult. But, you, you know, you're not going to give away the opportunity to, to play a, a top premiership side, you know, uh, especially if you brought them down to Salford as well. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Manchester United or Manchester City down there. So you've got to be in that hat to to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, this week they are away at Rochdale on Tuesday and then they're at home to Wimbledon on Saturday. Uh, two tough games there. Obviously, Rochdale, kind of a local derby, but Wimbledon, you know, the famous name of, of Wimbledon with the FA Cup win over Liverpool and all that. So that'll be a, a good a good game down there. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think you'd be expected to beat Rochdale at the moment. They're, they're in a real poor run of form. Probably going to be lucky if they, if they, to stay up. They, uh, they really are looking at the the sort of relegation trap at the moment down at the bottom of the, of the league being in the FA Cup at the weekend as well so they're really low on confidence so you'd expect Salford to get a result from that Wimbledon as well that's another tough one isn't it a team with an awful lot of history and uh, and yeah it, you know there's two games coming thick and fast there for Salford to propel themselves back into that, that playoff hunt and even uh, you know the automatic promotion you've just got to stay in the race at the moment I think you know coming up to uh, sort of end of November December Games come thick and fast, then don't we? So if you can stay in around that sort of top five or six, you know, come you know the turn of the year, then they've got a great chance on the on the, the home straight. Yeah, uh, big news off the field: Gary Neville has stepped down as Salford City FC chief, chief executive and replaced by Manchester United teammate uh, Nicky Butt. Uh, both were part of a group that that obviously got involved in Salford City in uh, 2014. So, what do you think of that? Obviously, Nicky Butt brings a big lot of experience into uh, into that role. Yeah, I didn't really see that coming, really. Rob, I'm not so sure what's what's um, what's prompted that. Um... Oh, Nicky Butt knows an awful lot about football, and he's been around it for an awful long time. And mm. I'm sure he's been working alongside, like I said, Gary Neville anyway. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Perhaps it's a bit of a dramatic story, but I don't think it's going to affect the day-to-day uh, running of the club too much. 
No. I think Gary Neville says that he wants somebody to be there every day to help the development of the club. And I don't think he thinks he can give that with his punditry uh, skills that he has and, and the, how much time that takes him away from the club. And it'd be great, obviously, Nicky, but recently left uh, Manchester United's uh, first team development uh, squad uh, you know, to, to take over the role. So he will have come from Manchester United. He'll know how the, the system works. So for him to be involved uh, is, is a good thing for me. Yeah, I think with Gary Neville, he spends an awful lot of time doing his, his punditry stuff and his telly stuff. And he always seems to be on uh, on Twitter as well, and on the television doing something or other. So I get where he's coming from there. I mean, he, if he can't commit, you know, a lot of your time to it, you know, best off passing the mantle on to somebody else. And I'm, I'm sure Nicky Butt's going to do a, a good job. He's, he's very experienced, you know, footballer, very experienced since his career ended as well, working at, you know, a winning team like Manchester United and a winning sort of atmosphere and and uh, an ethos that, that that club has had on him. So uh, I'm sure he'll do well. Yeah, and World Cup not far away. couple of weeks excited, Paul. Yeah, it's, it's it's not far off now, is it? So, um, so yeah, it's going to be different. You know, I think a lot of the games are... Some of the games are at dinner time, aren't they? But uh, most of the games are going to be played... Oh, God knows what time over in Qatar, but to make them sort of watchable for us. So, I think they'll be playing middle of the night there, won't they, to, to make it sort of our, our sort of 8 o'clock over here. So, it's a different sort of part of the world, isn't it? Different weather conditions as well. It's pretty warm over there, isn't it? So, it's going to be exciting... World Cup always isn't. It's always an exciting tournament, and you know the the, the usual suspects are, are, are favourites, aren't they? Like said, Brazil and Germany and Italy and, and what have you. But uh, I think it's going to be a good tournament. It's going to be different. It's going to be really different over there, different conditions, and you know see who handles them the best. Yeah, so that's all the football chat. Now we're going to talk rugby league, and the rugby league World Cup uh, is on is underway uh, in this country. Paul, we're coming to the end of the group stages, up to the uh, the quarter, the semi final stage now, Paul. So uh, how do you think it's gone? I think it's been great. I think it's been really exciting. I, you know, there's been a, a lot of scores where they've been big sort of blowout scores, and yeah, that, that's not been great. But the entertainment's been good. I mean, the, the quarterfinals at the weekend just gone. I think we saw some fantastic matches. I mean, Fiji against New Zealand was a was a great contest, and you know, Fiji almost agonisingly upset New Zealand and got through, but. Bit of a controversial decision towards the end, and they just seemed to run out of, of steam there. Fiji felt really sorry for them. I thought they played really well, but that was a great game. Then obviously you got Samoa against uh, Tonga. Uh, Samoa upsetting the odds in that game as well. You know Tonga, one of the fancied sides. So Samoa, you know, beaten by England by sixty odd points in the first game of the tournament, have now got to the semi-finals where they'll face England again. So those are two big stories. I know Australia had a big win against Lebanon, but the semi-finals are all set now. You've got a Big game at Ellen Road on Friday night, uh, and then the game at the Arsenal Stadium on, on the Saturday. So, four teams left and, and two cracking matches. So, I mean, look at the wheelchair World Cup as well; it's been been great. I saw uh, bits of the England game against Australia, and I thought that was absolutely fantastic entertainment. You know, the ladies are doing well, winning as well. So, it's it's all you know coming to a climax now, and I think the next couple of weeks is going to be really really exciting. Yeah, a lot of talk about blowouts. <laughs> got these developing nations coming yeah. through and if they're going to be playing the likes of Australia and England and New Zealand, that's going to happen because obviously they're the top three nations uh, in the world. But like you said, the New Zealand, Fiji games, Samoa and Tonga, two games there against two evenly matched, four evenly matched teams. Uh, 
produced two games of the tournament for me, uh, Paul. So that's that's what you pay for. I know uh, there was a good crowd at Warrington to to watch Samoa and Tonga, which shows that the the people are involved and, and they want to get involved in, in, in the World Cup and Rugby League. And it's, it's a good sign that that, is, that, has, that has started to happen because there was a lot of talk about tickets being too expensive and not being available. So it is great. Obviously, we're going to start now building crowds and, and hopefully better games brings a better spectacle. Yeah, that's right. I think perhaps there was a bit of a mistake with it with the semi-finals. I know Australia playing New Zealand on Friday night at Ellen Road. Um, you know, Ellen Road's a decent venue, but Friday night for me, that game surely should have been better on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon. I know England are playing Saturday afternoon, so you could have played it Sunday afternoon. It's a lot easier for people to get to, to places when they're not working, there's not rush hour traffic, so you know, Leeds on a Friday night is quite a difficult place to get to. So uh, I, I perhaps think that that should have been looked at better, but... Uh, but no, I think that the crowds are going to be good. I know England play, I'm not so sure what it's called, the Arsenal Stadium, you have to forgive me, but Emirates. Um, the Emirates, sorry, yeah, England play there at the Emirates against Samoa on, on Saturday, and uh, from what I heard, they've, they've sold almost 40,000 tickets for that already, so before the weekend, so that's going to be a major crowd there, so if they could get 50,000, 60,000 there, that'd be absolutely outstanding. And then the Saturday after, you've got the, the final at Old Trafford, you know, that that could be a sellout, surely. You've got the ladies' final as well on the same day, so that's going to be a real, real special day. Let's hope we get a bit of decent weather, and how good would that be to see a full house at Old Trafford? So I think you've got two cracking games coming up next week, and Australia, New Zealand, I'd say Australia the favourites, but you know, New Zealand have got some big forwards there, big pack, you know, scored, scored a cracking, if you saw the game against uh, Fiji, cracking try from a set of scrub, real magic to watch, so they've got some real X-factor players, so that's going to be a great game. And then Samoa, as I mentioned before, lost by 60 points to England in, in the, the World Cup opening game, you know they're going to want to uh, set the record straight in the semi-final, and I don't think England will win this one by 60 points. I think you'll be, be totally different. You know, Tim Lafay, Salford's very own Tim Lafay, playing some wonderful stuff for uh, for Samoa. So that's going to be another cracker. Does the sport need a New Zealand win or an England win in the final? To, to give it momentum because obviously Australia have won a lot of World Cups aren't they? I don't think anyone's won a World Cup apart from Australia so does the sport need another name on the on the trophy? Well New Zealand won it was it 2008 New Zealand won it didn't they? So okay. um, I think it was 2008 I'm sure they'd be I'm sure they were, um, no, actually, I think they'd be Australia if memory serves me right so England's not won it since 1972 so it's 50 years this time since England, well, it was Great Britain then who actually won it. Uh, well, they actually drew, didn't they, in the final against Australia, 10 apiece, but won, it, won the tournament. But uh, I think the sort of romantic person in me would like Australia to beat New Zealand and then England to beat Australia in the final. I think England against Australia, whether it's cricket, rugby league, you know, you name it, whatever sport you want, um, it, it's always special. There's there's always that rivalry between the two nations. I mean, you look at Olympics, you know, swimming and things like that. There's always a massive rivalry between England and, and, and Great, sorry, Great Britain, Australia, England, Australia, if you like. So, uh, so that'd be special. And as I said before, at Old Trafford, in front of a big crowd there, doesn't get any better than that. I think I mentioned to you the other week on the podcast, one of the best rugby league games I've ever seen was Australia against Great Britain at Old Trafford, Test Match 1997. The atmosphere, the match, the ferocity of it was absolutely unbelievable. So when it left a mark on me, so I'd like to see that again. But we, we can't look past some more first. We've got to get through that. Yeah. Uh, talking about 
all the World Cups taking place. The Women's World Cup has taken place at the same time. England women played Canada this weekend and won 54 points to four. Women, women of Steel, James Stanley with a hat-trick for England. It's great. Uh, I think they played it at Wigan, so they've got a big crowd there as well. Uh, and it's great for the game, obviously. We, we follow so for Devils ladies and also Red, uh, Swinton Lions, Lionesses, who, who, who are doing great stuff in the local area. So it's fantastic that England women have this uh, opportunity to play uh, on the BBC in front of a big crowd and, and grow the game. Yeah, and as I just mentioned before, the the, the final is going to be at Old Trafford as well, isn't it? you know, preceding the the, uh, the men's final. So we, you don't get much bigger stage than that to, to showcase your skills. So no, there's been some tremendous games so far, and, and England ladies are doing really, really well. And, uh, you know, looking like one of the sides that could lift the trophy. Um, it's been special. I mean, how good would that be if we could get a hat-trick? You know, the wheelchair, the, the ladies and the men's, that would be something. Um, just just got to mention that that wheelchair rugby league again against Australia. I thought that was... I've, you know, I didn't expect that. What I saw, the the, the, the collisions and the sort of the, the battles in there and, you know, people falling out of their chairs and, you know, just the, the clashes of, of, of power in between them. I thought it was absolutely outstanding. It really was. The intense levels there were, were outstanding. And England won as well. So, uh, so yeah, there's been some, some thrilling sort of moments in this World Cup so far. Yeah, 38 points to eight victors. England, obviously... Real chair rugby, it's kind of a new uh, way of rugby we were all buying into and it's uh, great that there may be a, a Salford team in the next sort of 12-18 months as Salford Devils Foundation have, have put the building blocks in place and with the success of, of the women and the learning development team and the physical development team, uh, this wheelchair team, when it comes, uh, will, will sure be as successful. Yeah, and you know it's it's a good sport. It's a cracking sport to watch. I mean, you have to forgive me. I didn't really know a lot about wheelchair rugby league. I never really watched it before. But you no, know, for me, rugby league is rugby league, and just watching it, it, it is rugby league as well. You can tell it's rugby league. It's fantastic. The offloads, the lines that they sort of I'm not going to say run, but ride through if you like. And the ball handling, the, the skills on offer. It's it's such a fast pace as well, and and that's what rugby league sport is like the, the the fastness of the sport and the sort of clean crisp handling. But not only that, the the collisions as well, and and the the power of the collision. So I think it's been tremendous. And yeah, if we can get a, a team at Salford to to add to that, I think it'd, it'd be another string to the bow of the club. Really would because it's uh, you know looking on Twitter after that England Australia game, it absolutely exploded. And then the excitement and, and, and the anticipation of the next game for England, it really was a, a big story. So uh, I think it's great. I think the World Cup has done that. I think the, the BBC have done an absolutely marvellous job as well. You know, the, the pundits, it's been great listening to, uh, you know, Andrew Voss, the Australian commentator. I think he's been he's done a tremendous job, um, you know, really sort of showcasing his skills over here for us to, to listen to. And, um, and yeah, I've enjoyed every minute of it that I've seen. Yeah, obviously thinking forward, planning in advance, I wonder where this Salford wheelchair team will play. Obviously, you know, in the local area, I don't think there's a a stadium with kind of like a hard sort of surface that you could play wheelchair rugby on, I suppose. But I suppose they always play indoors, don't they, I suppose? So you could look at sort of Manchester Giants, they play indoors, don't they? So you could possibly play somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you could find somewhere, somewhere. Perhaps the 
Manchester Arena, something like that. Once we get in big twenty thousand crowds, we could do, we could take it there. I think you've got to start off off somewhere, haven't you? And uh, I'm sure there'll, there'll be somewhere where we can find us our home. It'll be very very exciting. Let's just turn our attention to our local clubs now. We'll start with uh, Salford Devils. Their 2023 Super League fixtures came out uh, this week. Paul, excited. Uh, yeah, I've not really paid loads of attention to it because I'm still enjoying the World Cup. So uh, I always think they should bring the fixtures out after the World Cup, to be honest with you. But yeah, I saw them and, you know, people always sort of predict who we're going to play first and, and what have you. But, you know, we've got to play everybody twice, haven't we? Or one or two and three times. So don't really worry too much about it. But uh, but yeah, an exciting start for us. A, a way to uh, newly promoted Lee Centurions. A bit of a derby match for us as well. And a stadium where we've only ever won a friendly game. We've never actually won a competitive game there, have we, at the Lee Sports Village? So, a tough start, and I think Lee have signed some some decent players as well, and they're going to be well up for that, so that'll be a tough start for Salford. Yeah, the at the moment, obviously, things might change with Sky picking games and things like that, but most of the games, it looks like, will be played on Sunday, uh, which gives opportunity to the local community to get down and, and spend the day at the AJ Bell Station. That's a good idea, obviously, have the option to play Friday. I know Hulkings and Rovers have decided to play all their games on a Friday night, so that's uh, two, at least one uh, journey up the M62 on a Friday to look forward to. Yeah, we've got Hull FC, I think, on a Saturday there game. There's quite a few teams that have decided to play Saturdays, haven't they? I know those are the, the usual Thursday night games as well, but um, for me, yeah, I, I like Sundays. I've always liked Sundays. I mean, I'd go any day, really, but Friday night, I think, for me personally, is always a long day, you know, when you've been working and uh, you're pretty tired when you get to the match. So at least on a Sunday, you can have a bit of a lie-in or whatever and, you know, sort of make your way there. And you've got all day to, to go about. Fridays are dark, especially in the winter, and you've been working all day. There's traffic and that, the rush hour and whatever. So I think Thursday night's a bit of a dead duck, to be honest. I know it's Sky Television, but if you've got to go away somewhere on a Thursday night, it's, it's difficult when you've been working. And, you know, Thursday night away followings are never that big, are they? And, I think, you know, sport in the whole should be played at weekend. I think Saturday, Sunday are the, are the days where you can get more people to go to it, especially if you want families going as well. So, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. I know some people will <clears throat> disagree with it. You know, if, you, if you're if you an amateur team and you're playing, you know, your kids are playing Sunday, it's probably difficult then to get to solve them, but you can't really... Can't really win them all, can you? There's always going to be somebody who can't get there. So, um, yeah, I think Sundays on the whole is a good day to play. Yeah, Kristen, any returns as Salford Devils assistant coach for 2023? Made a good impression when he was a player at Salford. Fantastic goal kicker. So, good to get him back in the full coaching. Very experienced, experienced in the NRL uh, and also international level. So, we'll bring uh, that to the, the, the Salford coaching team. Yeah, very experienced player and one thing I think back to is in the 2020 season when a lot of the games were playing behind closed doors because of COVID and there's no crowd there, you know, me and you were at the game sometimes when we were doing the, the commentary and, that, and I can always remember Chris Nain who was such a leader on the pitch and when there's no supporters there, you can hear everything and he used to cope on the pitch and he'd come over to me and Watson who was the coach then and Watson would give him instructions and I remember William Watson saying to me how much of a leader he was on the pitch and he sort of said he was his coach on the pitch so you know I think he's such a laid back guy Christian but I think we forget sometimes that he's got an awful lot of knowledge on the game as you said there he's, he's played 
some of the best clubs in the world playing some big finals and um, uh, I think he's a, he's a good bloke he really is he's so calm so relaxed on the pitch and you know, he's got an awful lot of talent as well um, I think it was me and you called it I think it was is it me or you called him a basketball um, playing salmon when he jumps up for that ball <laughs> yeah. I think it might be one of mine that I can't remember now but you know what I mean don't you he, he could do things that special things couldn't he on the pitch and things that make you stand up and go wow has he just done that and um, and yeah if he if he can rub some of that influence off in the in the training pitch and you know rub it off on the players I think he's a good guy to have around the place yeah uh, it's all played departing is Morgan Escaray decided to go back to France he's not really had the opportunities at Salford obviously with Ryan Briley being Salford's uh, top uh, fullback uh, he is a good player but he never really had the opportunity for me no, he didn't. Um, I think we saw glimpses of him when he did play. He's very, very quick. He's an exciting player to watch. There's no doubt about that. Um, when, he, when he came in, yeah, yeah it was difficult because Ryan was playing really well. Um, once he got settled in the side, I mean, at the start of the season, it took Ryan a bit to, to get going. I mean, if you go back to the start of the season, he probably wasn't at his best until sort of six or seven games in, Ryan Briley. So, uh, Morgan Escaray did have a few chances, but then, then lost his place. And it was a shame for him, really, because he is a good player, he's an international player as well. And I'm sure he'll find a club. And I don't know if he's found one yet, but he's he's, he's too good a player to, to be out of the sport. There's no doubt about that. He's, he, he's, he really is quick. And like I said, good to watch as well, exciting on the eye. So I hope he gets sorted. Yeah, he's moved to a, a, a club in uh, France. I, th- I think it might be something like Carcassonne, I think. I'd have to confirm that though next week. Nice part of the world, Carcassonne, if he's, if he's moved there. Uh, lovely part of the world, especially in the summertime. It can get really, really warm there. I know Carcassonne are a good side in the French league, so if he has gone there, you know, good luck to, uh, to, uh, to Morgan. Yeah, obviously, sort of looking at that. Where, where do you think uh, Salford should uh, improve on next season? What with the players we've got? No, I mean, what areas should we be looking at? Oh, for, for signing players? Yeah. Um, we've got Adam Sidlow up to now, and Andrew Dixon were two, two forwards. Uh, I think the back line for me, I thought we were pretty settled in the backs. You know, we've got a good pair of half-backs, we've got good three-quarters, a good full-back in Ryan Braille, a couple of good wingers. So I thought the backs last season were pretty settled. For me, it was perhaps, you know, a couple of forwards. I think, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know whether... From from what I've heard, Elijah Taylor's moving on. I don't think he signed a new contract, has he? So um, I'd like to see him stay. But if he's not staying, we need someone to replace him. So a loose forward for me, and maybe another back rower and a prop. Um, we brought the back rower in Andrew Dixon. We brought a prop in and Adam Sidlow. So I think we definitely need a loose forward or someone can, who can play that sort of role. Um, but those sort of players. And not ten a penny, are they? So uh, I think we should have we should have kept Elijah Taylor. Um, I don't know what the score is with that one. I don't know where Elijah's going or, or whether he spoke to Salford, but he's just such a good player and such a workhorse. It'd just be a shame if he used to leave. Hmm. And that's the the problem. Obviously, you need to keep these uh, players. But talking about Salford, um, hundred fifty years of celebrating uh, next season. Eighteen seventy three, it all began. Um, and next season will be the 150th year. It's a fantastic club with fantastic history, and it's great that the club are going to be a, make a big thing of it. Yeah, yeah, let's hope we have a real big celebration for that, and uh, I'm sure the club will and celebrate the history that we've we've achieved so far. And uh, 
you know, particularly the history we've achieved in the last sort of decade or so, or last four, last five, four or five years, I think we've done tremendously well. So, uh, I'm really anticipating another good season next year. Really looking forward to it. I know we've not been out and sort of signed you know, a whole host of international players, but I didn't think we needed to. I think we've got a you know, the makings of a good squad there and a good squad, a good solid squad that stayed together, you know, consolidated and, you know, we, we can we can do well. Look at the amount of players we've had playing in the World Cup. It's been great to see. So, um, and in the England team as well, you know, Callum Watkins scored again at the weekend. Tremendous. So, uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to see how we go again in 2023. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Swinton Lions. Uh, they have been busy in the transfer market, bringing players in. It's been great, obviously, back in the Champions League, Championship. So, they do need to a bit invest and bring players in to, to play at that level. Yeah, they do. It's a big step up, I think, from from League One. You know, no, no disrespect to, to League One, but the championship, some some good sides in there and sides that can spend a bit of money. You've got Firstland Rovers who just missed out on promotion last year, but they you know they're they're all but a super league side by uh, by name, aren't they? They've got a you know decent stadium there, decent following um, and a good side as well. So they're gonna take some beating. You know, London Broncos are in there and, you know, Halifax are always a, a decent club. You've got Keith LeCougars who've gone up along with Swinton and uh, they've got an awful lot of ambitions as well. So they've signed some interesting players. So so that championship's going to be a real real good league. Bradford Bulls in there as well. They were always uh, competitive. So Sheffield Eagles and it's going to be a good season for Swinton and you just hope that they can they can survive and consolidate and stay in there um, you don't want to end up being a bit of a yo-yo team which they have been for the last couple of years now they've been up and down haven't they along with Oldham and, and Rochdale it's been a bit like that so uh, let's hope Swinton can uh, can stay in that championship it's going to be tough for them but I'm sure there's going to be some good nights and, and good Sunday afternoons at Haywood Road you know, with, uh, with, with some of these big sides going down there to visit yeah, so big thanks for tuning in to Sports on Salford Radio. I'm Rob Parkson, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. 